Hey, everybody, welcome into episode 15 of the Direct Podcast. Today, we're going through all the top news from the past week. And we will also have a special interview with the guys from the Friends from Work podcast, along with an MCU scores draft. Check out the time codes, jump ahead to where you want to go. Let's get to it. Truth is, I am a Jedi and I am burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> Welcome back, episode 15, the direct podcast. My name is Matt Rimke, joined by my co-host, as always, the Colossus of Clicks, Mr. Liam Crowley. Liam, we have a huge week of news to get to, but first I want to know, how you doing? Pretty good. If you'll allow me to tell you a, a short little story real quick. Mm. Um, so this was, I believe it was last summer, I was in the mall, and uh, there was a guy with a stand-up to uh it's like white and shoes clean shoes and i go over and I, ha- I had some dirty white shoes on at the time and i was like oh yeah let's see 10 bucks white in the shoes um he was like i was just closing down but I'll, I'll still do it for you bro like no problem so he's cleaning my shoes right and uh he he got a text on his phone smiled looked at me smiled again and because i was just curious i was like oh like what's good and he just goes everything bro <laughs> and that's how i feel i've had a great week i i've had uh, i've had a good day <laughs> I know a lot of setup just to say I had a good week, but uh, yeah. my New Year's resolution going into this year, it's ambitious because I am so bad at waking up early, but I'm trying to become a morning person. And, yeah. you know, time of recording January 8th, I've stuck to it. I- I've been getting up before before 9 a.m. every day so far. Baby steps. You know, we're going to try to get earlier and earlier as the weeks go on. I do have four 8 a.m.s when the spring semester starts. So there you go enforcing that morning schedule but uh yeah it's been a it's been a good week it's been a good new year um how about you how's life uh life's good man you know left foot right foot getting through it uh i kind of just want to go back to that story real quick he got a text and smiled said everything's good what's your best guess of what that text was i'm guessing probably like girl related you know you think so text i I would think it's something uh something uh you think people are that sweet yeah i'd like to think so yeah i'm gonna say the plug re-upped and he's about to have himself a good night. That's that's uh, my official <laughs> guess. My official guess. Um. So yeah, dude. I mean, I'm glad you're having a great week. I also am having a great week. Uh, the new job's going well, and um, you know, we're just here kicking ass. You know, there's so much news going on, but I'm having a lot of trouble keeping up with it because we are less than a week away from Wandavision. I'm so excited. But before we get into the top news, I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you to everybody listening to this podcast. We cannot be more grateful for every single person who pushed play and listened to two idiots talk about comic book movies. We have been getting so much positive feedback on Twitter, and we are so excited to actually hear from you guys, and we encourage more of it. At Matt Rimke, R-O-E-M-B as in boy K-E, and at Liam T. Crowley, please reach out, talk to us. We love talking about this stuff on microphones, but you know what we love more? talking about this shit on Twitter. Please hit us up, reach out. We want to hear from all the fans. Thank you so much. We want to make this a fan podcast, build this community. But, you know, Liam, they show up. 
to hear us talk about the news. So let's get to it. Let's kick it off with the sizzle reel. According to Murphy's Multiverse, Elijah Richardson has joined the cast of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and he is rumored to be playing none other than Eli Bradley, aka The Patriot, as Young Avengers vibes continue to grow. And in a new Instagram post, Moon Knight cinematographer Gregory Middleton has confirmed Oscar Isaac will be playing the title character Moon Knight, officially confirmed Isaac in the MCU. And in Thor news, Thor Love and Thunder casting continues to ramp up as Karen Gillan, Dave Bautista, Chris Pratt, and Palm Clementoff have all arrived in Sydney, Australia for shooting. The entire Guardians roster is seemingly confirmed for Love and Thunder. And moving on to news from a galaxy far, far away, Deadline reports that Loki head writer and creator Michael Waldron has, te- has been tapped to write the new Star Wars feature film that Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige will produce and develop for Disney and Lucasfilms. And the outlet also pointed out that his inclusion in the upcoming movie is, quote, part of an unprecedented overall deal Waldron has signed on with the studios that Disney has rarely given in recent years. Fascinating stuff. And also, sticking with Star Wars, in a tweet by Noah Outlaw from the Kessel Run Transmissions, wow, what a name, that has since been deleted, Outlaw echoed rumors about discussions between Lucasfilms and Robert Downey. Junior, there's no telling what project he'd be involved in, but fan speculation is running wild, and he has been popularly linked RDJ as General Rand Admiral Braun. And moving on to DC News, in a new release on Twitter, Justice League director Zack Snyder showed his support for the hashtag Henry Cavill Superman movement that swelled in popularity in recent days. Snyder included an old behind-the-scenes photo of Cavill while simply stating, Henry Cavill is Superman. Cavill was donning a suit very similar to the one Christopher Reeve rocked in the past, in the first Superman movies. Matt, a whole lot of news. I feel like we got to kick this off with the Marvel stuff, though, because we're a week away from WandaVision. We have a bonus episode out right now dedicated to everything you need to know going into that show. So if you want WandaVision topics uh, to be discussed, check out the WandaVision primer in the podcast feed. But I kind of want to start... With this Elijah Richardson news, I'm mm-hmm. I, I know we've got other stuff to talk about too, but you know how I'm excited, how excited I am for this uh Falcon Winter Soldier show, and this just ramped up my excitement to a 15. So, Matt, I want to ask you, you mentioned uh young Avengers vibes continuing to grow uh with this new casting. Can you tell us a little bit more about why this could lead to a younger version of Earth's Mightiest Heroes? So, I mean, guys, the young Avengers roster is being built throughout the MCU more and more as rumors and casting announcements get announced for these new projects. We have Cassie Lang. We have Miss Marvel. We have Kate Bishop confirmed in every single project that they've been connected to Ant-Man, Hawkeye, the Miss Marvel Disney Plus show. But WandaVision is going to introduce her twin babies, Speed and Wiccan. Now, with this, with this Eli Bradley news, the Patriot, the Captain America of the Young Avengers, confirmed for the falcon winter soldier we have kang the conqueror coming in to the mcu at some point um you know definitely in ant-man quantumadium correct rumored to be rumored to be uh popping up in other places he is not only 
the main antagonist driving the Young Avengers, but he's also an older future version of Iron Lad, another Young Avenger. We have Ironheart. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Young Avengers vibes all the way throughout the MCU. I think it's just such a unique and perfect title for this time. No Avengers movies on the roster right now. I mean, on the schedule right now, correct? To have the next Avengers movie be a Young Avengers movie or series on Disney+, Plus, I think would be a great way to take us in a new direction, take us in a new generation. It's just really exciting. And the Patriot, you know, one of the more interesting characters in the Young Avengers. Um, really, the only character, the only main Young Avenger that is, you know, one of the more popular on the Young Avengers roster that hasn't been confirmed in any show is Hulkling. You know, half scroll, half Hulk. Um, you know, so he's he's yet to pop up, but there's plenty of places for him to do so. She-Hulk, WandaVision, Captain Marvel 2 is my choice for Hulkling to pop up, I would say. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's just so many different things pointing toward Young Avengers. It's all but confirmed at this point. And, you know, classic MCU fashion, we are likely going to meet the entire roster before they all get together, which is super exciting. Yeah, I love that idea of making Young Avengers potentially a Disney Plus project because, I mean, aside from maybe Haley Seinfeld, none of these names attached to these characters are huge yet. So they are very attainable to assemble in an ensemble cast for a Disney Plus big event. So that could be really cool. I do kind of want to talk about the Falcon Winter Soldier implications, if you'll let me for a bit. So obviously, uh, Eli Bradley is uh, the Patriot in the comics, but his relations to past Captain America should also be touted. He is the grandson of Isaiah Bradley, a character rumored to be played by Carl Lumley in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. That is not confirmed just yet, but Carl Lumley is confirmed to be in the cast Um, And because he's an older actor and it's set in present times and uh, Eli, not Eli Bradley, Isaiah Bradley, the grandfather of Eli Bradley is from the forties. People are kind of piecing two and two together because it has been said that he is going to have a pivotal role in the show. Hmm. And if Eli Bradley's in it, it only makes sense that Isaiah Bradley's there too. We talked in past weeks about how Isaiah Bradley has an absolutely fascinating story. Um, After Captain America went in the ice, they continued the super soldier project, uh, super soldier serum, and they forcefully tested 300 African-Americans. And Isaiah Bradley was one of the only ones to survive. He was sent out to do covert Captain America missions without all the glitz and the glam of being the star spangled man. He had to go do these covert missions, essentially like the winter soldier, just for the good guys and just didn't get any popularity and any press and then one time he goes and he wants, you know, to fend for himself. So he steals a Captain America suit and shield suits up as, as he calls himself in the comics, the black Captain America, he gets captured, eventually bailed out. But then because he, you know, um, committed like gimmick infringement or, or like smeared Captain America's name as the government put it in the comics, he was put into isolation and labeled, um, AWOL for 17 years. So the, when Sam says the legacy of that shield is complicated, that's kind of what I link to the legacy being complicated. And if Eli Bradley's in there, it raises an even more intriguing point because Eli Bradley in the comics, he told the young Avengers team um, when he like got his powers, cause he was like, you know, super strong. He had all the super soldier aspects that cap had. He said, Oh, it was from a blood transfusion from my grandfather. And everyone bought it. Cause it was like, obviously, you know, your grandfather is a former super soldier test subject. It only makes sense in reality. He, this is a, a line when Captain America, Steve Rogers was still around, still young. He found out that that was not true because he saw 
Eli Bradley shooting up some uh, mutant gene serum. He saw him using uh, X-Men like MGH, the mutant growth hormone, mutant growth hormone. He was shooting up like essentially that and giving himself powers. And he was kind of castrated out um, and then eventually brought back in as he had a uh, like a turn of heart and all that. So he has a very fascinating story in the comics, which I'm really excited to see them explore in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. But one thing I will say also that's especially intriguing is we've seen on set photos that the flag of Madripoor has been consistently shown um, in the background of yeah. this show. And the fact that I, it's the Ogun symbol, I remember, is linked to a biker gang, both heavily linked to Wolverine in the comics and X-Men. So if you're going to get a character like Eli Bradley, even though his main focus of his arc is that he's linked with the Young Avengers, similar to how Wanda Maximoff is mainly linked with the Avengers. Both of those characters have mutant ties. So I don't know if we're ready for the mutant growth hormone to be introduced as we penciled it in on the show. Um, I don't know if we're ready for that to be introduced to the MCU quite yet, but his existence at least plays with that idea. Right. And, you know, as Young Avengers vibes begin to grow, mutant seeds are being planted all throughout the MCU. I think that uh, WandaVision, you know, I've, said on this podcast before i think wandavision is going to be a step toward mutants and one way or another um classic mcu fashion i'm sure we're going to get a lot little before we get a lot more so um super exciting um eli bradley was castrated out sorry oh no oh no oh no I was wondering what you were smiling about. I was like, what I say that was funny? And then I was like, oh, no. There will be no future Bradleys in the MCU. (laughs) Um, No, but hey, the Patriot being a part of the Falcon Winter Soldier, it makes a ton of sense. Um, You know, the Captain America character is going to grow and grow and grow as the MCU goes. Steve Rogers is not the only Captain America, and we're about to get very familiar with that concept. Let's stick with the MCU. Oscar Isaac. Yes. Confirmed as Moon Knight. Guys, we have talked about how much we love that casting Oscar Isaac as Mark Spector, Moon Knight himself. Um, but for it to be confirmed, super awesome. You know, we don't have to spend too much time on it, but you know, this is like you've said, one of the last remaining big blockbuster names left that hasn't joined the MCU. There are still plenty of different names that could have taken this role and we all would have been excited, but this is a chance for Oscar Isaac to reestablish himself as a blockbuster superstar. He's going to get to show off a lot of acting chops in this series. We're going to get a lot of depth from this character. No matter how you spin it, this is a versatile job for him. And I'm just really excited to see what he does. There's tons of play that comes with the Moon Knight character to see what he molds out of it intriguing is to say the least absolutely we we talked about back when it was like rumored and everyone was saying was confirmed we talked about this casting a little bit and i mentioned that this is a chance for isaac to kind of wipe off the star wars shine from him a little bit because even though i enjoyed the character of poe dameron you can tell in press junkets he didn't he did not quite enjoy uh the star wars experience especially towards the tail end because I'm sure the character that was written for him in The Force Awakens got altered as the movies went on. And with a cat with a actor like Adam Driver, he's kind of gone on a, a Hollywood, not Hollywood, but Oscars crusade, if you will, with doing those art piece films, you know, Marriage Story, Black Klansman, movies that are going to get him big award consideration in the future. I think Oscar Isaac is more focused on, you know, getting that blockbuster retry because 
He's tried it kind of three times now. Poe Dameron for one. Um, Apocalypse and X-Men Apocalypse that no one really cared for. Um, and I guess the one that he has going for him right now um, that's not going to come out until later, later in the year is Dune. But he's, you know, in an ensemble cast there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really get to shine. The chance for him to play Moon Knight is a character with a ton of depth. The fact that it's going to be a limited series. I think WandaVision is going to tell us a lot about the creative freedom that these Disney Plus shows have. Um, especially with how many how many hours they get to flesh out these characters. And if I could give a little early weekly recommendation, go check out Ex Machina if you want to know if Oscar Isaac can play a bipolar uh, madman because that's what Moon Knight is, and he is phenomenal in Ex Machina. It was I I know the year it was released, it was a stacked year for the Oscars, but I still think he should have got potentially a Best Actor nom for that movie. Right on. Yeah, I've actually never seen it. I've only ever seen that scene. Where he's dancing like a motherfucker. <laughs> um, you know, real quick, I want to go back to that really quickly. Um, Fox Marvel actors transitioning into the MCU. What a success story that is. Think about it. Chris Evans. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Jo- Josh Brolin. I think I think that Josh Brolin is probably the only one that has, you know a claim on each side of it. You know, his cable was incredible, obviously. And he played the greatest villain in movie history, not named Anakin Skywalker. So it's, it's incredibly exciting to see these guys willing to take another shot in Disney's MCU. So, um, you know, Poe Dameron is one of the better characters of the star Wars sequel. And to see, you know, that transition into a more deeper character, Nothing but awesome. But, you know, let's stick with Star Wars really quickly. Well, Star Wars MCU blend. It's called transitioning, Liam. You know, we, we just it. got off our MCU news. We're going to get into Star Wars news with a little half and half. So, Loki head writer and creator Michael Waldron. Cap for Feige's new Star Wars feature film. That gives me so much immense confidence for this Loki show. I can't even begin to explain it. When you think about what it means for a person to create such a unique and wild show that Loki is going to end up beating, inherently it is weird, it's big, and it's got a lot of moving parts. Feige must have seen something in that show that gave him so much confidence to bring this guy over to his Star Wars journey with him. Think about all the different behind-the-camera talent Kevin Feige has at his disposal. Not just MCU. Everybody wants to work with Kevin Feige. It's a career maker. For him to take Michael Waldron from the Loki series and bring him along with him into the Star Wars realm, I it, it moves Loki up my list of most anticipated projects. It really does. Also, Loki announced for season two. Another green light. Another check mark of affirmation from Feige and Marvel Studios. So, I just think that that news, while it is really exciting for the Star Wars scope of it, it, it puts a green stamp on Loki as one of the one of the best projects we haven't seen yet. If you read the tea leaves, follow the money, Loki is set to be one of the better Disney Plus shows because it's it's got the it's got one of the more complicated storylines. It ha- easily has the biggest potential to mess up the canon of the MCU. I mean, it's a retrospective look on a character that has already died in the MCU to to complicate that with an entire series. Big risk. 
Michael Waldron had to have done something incredibly right to get this level of approval from Kevin Foggy himself. You want to know what else he's writing? I haven't even heard of this dude. I know you got his IMDb page up. I do want to know what else he's writing, but real quick, can you tell me what he's done? Uh, he's done Rick and Morty. Um, he's oh, done I've heard Har- of that. Rick and Morty is a very smartly written show. It's, no, no, I'm it's goofy it. and it's comedic, Fantastic. but Fantastic. It's, it's so smart. Um, Harmon, yeah. <laughs> Harmon Quest, um, he's a writer on. Uh, not really sure about that uh, in terms of like what I know. Um, and then he has producing credits uh, more for Rick and Morty, another show called Good Game. But you want to know what he's writing? That has what's he writing? Yet. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Motherfucker! I mean, <laughs> Michael Waldron, guys. Put a little, he, put a little teaser clip next, on it. He's about to be a big name. I can uh, next big thing. Um, to just kind of touch on on this news. Um, man, the amount of power that's just radiated with that Star Wars project with Kevin Feige attached to it. It reminds me, you know, whenever LeBron goes to a new team and he just brings his friends because he knows it's going to work, J.R. Smith ends up on the Cavs and ends up on the Lakers. Um, that's kind of the, really the only name I can... Oh, Dwayne Wade went to the Cavs for a little spell. <laughs> um, he's He has a couple people that he's just like, oh, I'm, on, I'm on this team, Deion Waiters. I'm on this team. I'm the GM now, and I'm going to bring my friends along because I work well with them. Kind of feel so what, like what Kevin Feige's doing here. Uh, Michael Waldron obviously has not worked with him extensively. He's new to the MCU, but he's a new toy. He's, he's a guy that uh, he definitely wants to, to play with for sure in terms of getting a, a big behind-the-scenes crew together. Um, also gives me uh, Tom Brady bringing uh, both Antonio Brown and Gronkowski to Tampa Bay vibes and possibly um, Deion Lewis, as sad as it may, not Deion Lewis, James White next year. makes me very sad. Um, Yo, but yeah. Hey, G- James White would eat in Tampa. He would because he would what's, eat. what's the other running backs been like on and off Leonard Fournette, but uh, Ronald, Ronald Jones, list. hold up. Wait a minute. Hey, sports talk real quick. Sorry. Yeah. Comic book fans. Ronald Jones is starting running back at 10 bit. Yeah. But he's, he's the running back that doesn't really, he doesn't do any like slot stuff. Right? No, he can't catch. He has brick. Hands. Exactly. Yeah. James White. Bring That's in Jimmy James White, baby. <laughs> Cause Fournette, Fournette kind of worked as like a little bit of a slot guy in Jacksonville. Right. Not, not often. Not slot, but, but coming out the backfield. The, yeah, that swing also, route. It's a bad comparison because what's his name? Uh, Jacksonville. It's not like they had any other real receivers aside from like Allen Robinson before he went to the Bears. You know, I like, the, he, I the like he's that, cool. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Um, but back to the, the Loki news. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like you said, the, uh, the amount of confidence um, in this project is through the roof. But I also echo what you said about this show kind of shooting up my, uh, my anticipated list because – Beyond the fact that this writer's been tapped to do a Star Wars project, the fact that season two is confirmed, no MCU show has been confirmed for season two. WandaVision, even if it's great, it's likely going to be a limited series. I I don't know how you would do a WandaVision sequel necessarily. Um, In terms of what we get, weeks will tell us about that. Especially since she's rumored and confirmed to be in so many projects after WandaVision. It's going to be interesting to see how Disney Plus handles those types of situations. Yeah, like would they do yearly season releases? Because that's the the status quo for TV. You don't take like two or three years off. It's you almost have to take it project by project. Loki makes sense because he probably won't affect the canon moving forward. This is probably going yeah. to be a spinoff type canon, um, sure. a multiverse canon. Wow. Um, but you know, you look at projects like WandaVision. You're right because she's going to play such a big role in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. 
it's hard to it's hard to see a second season coming after that because there's probably going to be some finality in Doctor Strange. But then you look at like a Miss Marvel, multiple season candidate for sure because I mean that's that's a character that you can build for years and years and just make all the money. Falcon Winter Soldier. I mean that's that's a show yeah. you could tell many different espionage stories with for seasons and seasons. That that thing could run for literally eight seasons for all I care. <laughs> eight seasons wow <laughs> i don't know that's that's the magic number when it comes to like game of thrones and game everything. of thrones got eight actually let, let's I mean, stop I know at you, seven i know let's you stop love at seven Soldier, seasons. dude but i mean like <laughs> game of thrones got eight seasons all right <laughs> but I, know, I, know. I agree the thing is with falcon winter soldier they can plug into avengers movies so easily and so well oh, yeah wandavision is going to plug into more solo stories than i think a sam wilson or a bucky barnes will that's fair but yeah, the fact that this is the only show uh, to be confirmed for a season two and it Love hasn't you. even been released yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buy stock in Michael Waldron because yeah. he is going to be a hot commodity going forward. Just you know, thinking out loud, uh, brain dump here. We need to start keeping track of the stock of all of these actors, directors, producers, writers, uh, characters, all that stuff because it's just so interesting to read the tea leaves and see it moving forward. For example... Patty Jenkins. I love the first Wonder Woman movie, and it made me fall in love with Patty Jenkins. Obviously, the movie has its problems, but the Patty Jenkins things in that movie, I loved. When I saw her video for her Rogue Squadron? Rogue right? Squadron, yep. You got it. Or is that, or is that the video game? Um, no, I, I believe it's Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron. I'll, I'll give you... I'll, I'll double when check I, As you, our research sure. department just confirms... Um, when I saw her Rogue Squadron video and knowing how passionate she gets about these movies, so excited to see her Star Wars vision. Obviously, her stock was higher than it's ever been. When you get a Star Wars movie, your stock is as high as it can be. Wonder Woman 1984 probably dropped the Patty Jenkins stock after the Rogue Squadron confirmed um, announcement. So I, I think it's so interesting watching the stock of these directors, these actors, these writers, these titles, I mean, these properties. The Hawkeye stock has been booming over these past few months. The Young Avengers stock booming over the past few months. So I think that's something that we should look into keeping track of. And, you know, along that vein, look at the names that Star Wars is bringing in to the future here. I mean, obviously, J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson have made some incredible films and TV shows in the past. But they were names that were brought into Star Wars, big names brought into Star Wars that, Polarizing at best, right? Yeah. Kevin Feige. Taika Watiti, who already has Star Wars experience. This Mark Waldron guy, whose stock is higher than it's ever been as of this podcast. Patty Jenkins, where until the Wonder Woman 1984 release, I don't know the pulse currently, up, up until that Christmas Day last year, one of the hottest directors in Hollywood. I mean, Star Wars is bringing in solidified veteran names that we know are good at this universe building thing. And after the Mandalorian season two, that's what we know star Wars can be and should be is a universe building show and movie series. Yeah. Let's talk about those names. I mean, we got great names behind the camera, but let's, let's talk about the big one. Robert Downey Jr. Potentially being a star Wars project in front of the camera. Yeah. A little, uh, your, your transition vibes are, are wearing yeah. off on me. 
Um, yeah, but RDJ potentially being in a future Star Wars project, obviously fans are linking him to Grand Admiral Thrawn because he's one of the, one of the only characters right now that we know we're going to get that sure. we don't have an actor attached to. Because you can speculate um, all the live long day about uh, legacy characters that could be introduced from the books and from the animated shows, um, which like who's going to be pop- popping up in a future project. But the one that is confirmed that's getting everyone psyched is Grand Admiral Fair. Thrawn, whether that's Ahsoka, whether that's in the big crossover that they're teasing for next year remains to be seen. But man, when I saw people linking RDJ to Grand Admiral Thrawn, as much as I would love, uh, I liked Benedict Cumberbatch as an idea, but I feel like he would be way too similar to um, Khan from Star Trek. I was never a big mm. Star Trek guy, but I did see um, Into Darkness and he was phenomenal in that role. But you didn't see the I first feel one? like it would kind of, I didn't see the first one though. Oh, first one I know. Chris That's Hemsworth. the one with uh, Chris Hemsworth as, as uh, Chris Pine's dad, right? I'll say it right now, outside of Infinity War, his scene with Rocket, outside of yeah. his scene with Rocket in Infinity War, best acting I've ever seen Chris Hemsworth do is wow the, the, the 10 minutes he gets in Star Wars, in uh, Star Trek. It's incredible. And that's early on. That's, oh, yeah. I think that's pre-Thor, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's right before Thor came out. Wow. Because so, uh, he yeah, was but... supposed to play Star Trek talk. He's supposed to play uh, Captain Kirk, but um chris pine got it instead beautifully done so mm-hmm. why he was able to do thor i see Tom so Hiddleston kept... never got to lift the hammer because of that <laughs> huh. and i mean for good reason because we got him as loki and loki. that's one yeah. of the best casting chris history. pine chris pine got the role he was supposed to get chris hisworth did and so did tom hiddleston shout out absolutely but this RDJ news about Grand Admiral Thrawn, yeah. I love it because Matt, we were saying before, you were saying before we hit record that he could play that Tony Stark charisma, mm-hmm. but tone it down just a little bit, be more calm, cool, and collected, be a mix of just kind of like the overlying presence while also being someone who's like, you know, super charismatic and has a big personality because that's who Thrawn is in the comics. Like, it's no secret that like the empire, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. The empire in the, the books and in the shows and the movies is racist straight up. Every person who's has a high ranking position is, is white, usually a male in the original trilogy. We didn't get to see women in high ranking positions of power um, in the empire until the sequel trilogy. And recently Phasma. with Mandalorian Phasma as well. Yeah. So the idea in the in the books that Thrawn, an alien, you never see any aliens holding high-ranking positions of power in the Empire, let alone a position of power at all. Very the fact that he's able to work his way up the ranks, it shows that he's just that damn good and he's mm-hmm. that damn like energetic and charisma-driven that he's able to convince guys like, you know, Darth Vader, guys like uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. I don't know if that would... Jack Pugh's call me out on Twitter if I'm wrong about this uh, chronologically, but... The fact that he's someone that can work his way up is a charismatic individual. And if you're going to get someone to play him, who better than Tony Stark himself, Robert Downey Jr.? Mr. Charisma, I'm I'm envisioning a Tony Stark meets Loki kind of vibe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be so sweet. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. So, guys, I mean, you know, we said it last week. We said it in our upcoming interview with a very special guest. Stick around till the end of the show to find out who is coming next week. But... Star Wars is hotter than it's ever been. Mandalorian season two really put a lot of Star Wars lore on the map, specifically Clone Wars and Rebels. And, you know, with an uh, actor like RDJ connected to Star Wars, you have to think he's going to be in that foggy film, right? 
Oh, what you a, what a team. You have to think. If, we're, if, if Feige's getting his best guys together, who but RDJ to fulfill that starting role? Exactly. So, you know, it's all very exciting. And um, I just can't imagine – two years ago, I could not imagine a world where both the MCU and Star Wars is hotter than ever. I mean, it's always been kind of a back and forth kind of thing. Star Wars gets the Christmas release dates. Uh, the MCU gets the summer release dates. Who had the bigger movie every year? MCU's just been knocking it out of the park year after year after year. And I'm not saying they're not going to continue to. You know, the rich get richer. But Mickey Mouse has his hands on two of the hottest properties in Hollywood right now. Star Wars and Marvel are as big as they've ever been. And it's only getting better. When you think about how excited people are with Star Wars, think about the fact that they are just getting started. You know, we don't even have a confirmed movie on the books anytime soon, but from the Disney Plus series alone, they just planted the seeds for what is set to be an incredible universe moving forward. Shout out John Favreau, shout out Dave Filoni, and now shout out Kevin Feige. Rule of F's never fails. So, guys, that's our top news. Please Head over to thedirect.com if you want to know anything more about any story that we didn't touch on. We have everything there for you. We have an incredible team of 20-plus writers covering everything you need to know about the universes you love. I'm talking Marvel, DC, Star Wars, PlayStation, Xbox. I mean, you can't stop the content at thedirect.com. Shout out to everybody on the direct.com team. Direct 2021 is in full swing, and we thank all of you. And right now, Liam, we are going to be heading into our first ever non-direct interview on the direct podcast. Check out our conversation with the guys from the friends from work podcast. And welcome back into another installment of direct draft today. We'll be drafting our favorite MCU scores and themes, but we are joined by two very special guests. The co-host of one of my favorite podcasts out there, the Friends from Work podcast, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They are musicians. <laughs> they are mega MCU fans, and they are two stand-up guys. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kyle Sconowell and Robbie. Oh! Wow. <laughs> What an introduction. Yeah. I don't know if we can top that intro. I love that so much. And that's it, and folks. You we're done it for the day. <laughs> See you later, guys. Thanks for having us. No, Kyle and Robbie, thank you so much for coming on. Friends from Work Podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys here. This Oh, thanks for you know, having us. Of course. This MCU community has never been stronger. You know, 2020 was a rough year, our first calendar year without an MCU project, but I feel like through things like podcasts, social media, whatever you mm. might like. We all kind of got together as a community and the hype has been nothing but building. I want to hear from you guys just real quick off the top. Tell us about the Friends from Work podcast and what you guys have envisioned for season two in 2021. Uh, wow. Well, you're right. It has been such a weird year. We always joke about how, you know, we started this thing three months, I guess, after Endgame came out. And you know, it's like you start an MCU podcast right as uh, no new MCU content comes out <laughs> for a year and a half. Um, yeah. So, you know, just really strategic marketing on our, on our side. Mm-hmm. Um, we are super excited, though, for really what's about to start in, what, a week um, with WandaVision. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, we've never, we had the opportunity to go back through and do this rewatch, which was super fun going back through the infinity saga in kind of a unique order. Um, but this is going to be the first time that we're covering new content. Um, so we're going to start, you know, kind of doing these weekly recap episodes after WandaVision episodes and, and Falcon Winter Soldier and then Loki and then moving on through the through the film. So a lot of really exciting stuff for us as there is for everyone else that loves the MCU. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we just started our podcast, me and Liam, like what, three months ago, something like that. This is yeah, episode over. This is episode 14 for us. And we were fortunate mm, enough 15. to get this will be 15, yeah. 15. Like I said, obviously. <laughs> yeah, don't sell yourself short. Okay. Man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had a couple a mile, bonus so. episodes. <laughs> we're pretty excited for episode 15, as you can clearly note. Um, but we were fortunate enough to jump right into Mandalorian season two. And it was, and Liam was just saying uh, last week in our direct award show episode how cool it was to kind of grow as a podcast along with that show. So, um, you know, just like you guys, yeah. you know, covering new Marvel content is something we've been so excited for. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear you guys talk about it after the big rewatch. But, um, you know, let, I wanted to ask you guys a few questions about the MCU. Kyle, um, the MCU is about to kick off phase four. And with more projects than we ever could have imagined and everything going on the next couple of years, I want to know what character are you excited to see more screen time out of? Well, first of all, thanks for having us. Second of, of all, I love this question so much because <laughs> if you listen to our podcast, you know that I am very sensitive about my things, right? Mm -hmm. And the Avengers, like the six that we knew were my thing. So Robbie knows like anytime we're, we're starting to change stuff, I get a little like, so let's be a little careful. So that being said, I, for the first time ever, now have some of my favorite characters off the board, if you will. Right. right. So for me, this whole podcast has been Tony and uh, Steve, I guess for, for Robbie's uh, sake here, Tony and Steve <laughs> at the center of it. Thank so you. like we, Anyways, that's a long answer to say that there are still some things I'm really excited about. I'm really excited to see how they conclude Thor's story. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm very excited about WandaVision in particular. Uh, we talk about how Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, for example, should be like a very good, solid Marvel show. Like feels like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, feels like Winter Soldier the movie, but I love the game changerness of WandaVision. Yeah. So far, everything looks so weird, so different. And I love that that's where the direction they're going. So I would say that show, Thor 4, how the Guardians fit into Thor. Those are the go. things that I'm most excited mm. about. Those are the moving pieces, right? Like, like things are going to get weird with WandaVision, but there's still some lingering effects from the Infinity Saga that still have to be wrapped mm -hmm. up. And that's just really exciting. As for We're also Robbie, pumped about... Good. Uh, I was just going to say, as for Robbie, I, I have a question for you just to, oh, to yeah. go back and forth here. Uh, so you're a huge comic book fan. I've done my research. Matt introduced me to the <laughs> Friends from Work podcast, and I, I listened to a couple episodes. And you seem to love oh, how you. Marvel Studios is adapting the source material within their MCU projects while also putting their own unique spin on it. So out of all these shows and movies coming up, which comic run specifically are you most excited to kind of weave its way into a future project? Oh man. Um, out of what's been announced currently from what we can sure. tell, yeah. you know, from, yeah. from what you can speculate. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny cause I didn't plan it this way, but I think I'm going to kind of end up mirroring Kyle's answer there. Um, just because WandaVision looks to be pulling a lot from the Tom King vision series, mm -hmm. which is just one of the best comics to come out in years. Um, 
it won what it did for a reason. Uh, and so I think it's, it's pulling from that as well as some early 2000s uh, Bendis stuff, which mm-hmm. is also, you know, that also has a soft spot in my heart. Absolutely. Um, and so really it's kind of like the perfect mesh there. Uh, and then on the other hand, I would say I really love the Jason Aaron Thor stuff, which it seems like they're, well, they're definitely pulling from to some extent in Love and Thunder because we know Christian Bale has been cast as Gore the God Butcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and Natalie Portman coming back as Jane Foster Thor. So there's just like, <laughs> to kind of, the way you, you asked that question was perfect because I like the way that they put their own spin on these things. And so what makes me excited is not like, oh, now we get to see these things from, from Jason Aaron be on screen. Like, that's cool. But I'm kind of more excited to see what these writers that Marvel brings in, like how they take this and sort of twist it mm-hmm. and work with it to make it fit within the universe that they're working with. Um, and I think, you know, we've just had so many great examples of that. I think I always bring up Civil War yeah. as a good one where, you know, that's one of the biggest Marvel comics well, probably ever, but yeah. especially of the last few decades. Um, and it was also a massive film that was very successful. And those two movies look very different. Mm-hmm. And I love both of them. So I'm really excited to see, especially I think what, what they do with those two comic storylines that I'm such a fan of. We also talk a lot about how like certain upcoming things seem to hint at a comic story. But then we know that there's certain like themes from that comic story that they've already played with. Right. So we're really? always like, they have to find some other way to twist this. Otherwise, they've already done that story, which is kind of fascinating to me. And it's just so right, exciting which- how Marvel Studios is able to kind of guide the ship with these with this great source material and give the nods, give the Easter eggs, you know, make us feel like we're in that moment. But, you know, at the last second, turn it on you and really just give you right. the MCU that you've known and loved. Right. Yeah. No, and, and I would say maybe my, as I'm thinking about it, um, one that I think will end up being like that as well is the Secret Invasion show that's been announced. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. because the scrolls have already been, you know, the scrolls were initially introduced back in the 60s by Stanley and Jack Kirby as villains, and they were always villains. And then maybe, you know, somewhat, well, way later became somewhat less so. Um, but, you know, with the way that they were introduced in Captain Marvel as kind of, not necessarily villains, but but more like these misunderstood, almost refugees. I really don't know how Secret Invasion plays yeah. with that, you know, because it's just a totally different role there. Um, it's one so of the that, biggest also- questions that needs to be answered, I think. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I want to I s- add one other thing there. What's up? That's one of my favorite things about our podcast is that Robbie has all of that knowledge, and I have none of that comic knowledge, and I've always <laughs> enjoyed watching these movies just as movies. Like I am strictly viewing it through the movie lens, the MCU, just as it is. And I'm interested to see how now going forward for the first time ever, we're going to have new content that nobody knows. And so for the first time ever, I'll be a part of like theorizing. Uh-huh. And we were just talking about that last week. Like gonna accidentally stumble on something that kind of spoils it for me where I've, I've never had anything spoiled ever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like and eventually we're going to theorize and get something right. And then it'll be like, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to get that right. It's, it's a weird line to walk because, you know, all of us over the past year have just started talking about this stuff, you know, right. into a microphone. So, like, I, I'm the kind of guy who, like, I'll watch the initial trailer and I'll watch the official trailer. I don't want to see any behind the scenes footage. I don't want to see any uh-huh. of that. 
But now me and Liam work for the direct.com where that's our jobs. So like it's, <laughs> every set photo is analyzed completely down. Yeah. Like Hawkeye says like 2024 in a background image. And you're like, how does that fit in? But uh, similar to us, <laughs> exactly. Matt's always telling me to read House of M. I'm like, I, I want to wait till after one division wraps up because I don't want to accidentally spoil elements for me. But at the same time, like you said, um, they seem to be borrowing elements and then mm-hmm. infusing them and making twists and turns. Me and Matt had a theory that, you know, no more mutants might turn into more mutants and who knows how they're going to go. But right. The, right. the way they shift things up, it, it's never been a better time to be a fan and get these theories going. You got to read House of M, dude. Got to read it. I know. <laughs> um, so guys, we could have a we could have you guys on again and have an entire podcast about Thor, by the way, because my lovely co-host here has a very big problem with one of the Thor movies and not the other two, if you can kind of put that connection together. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a crazy you- thing to me. <laughs> well, we are contractually obligated to get Thor Dark World working somehow. <laughs> so, you know, I said it. That counts. Yeah, we did. You're talking about the pinnacle uh, of the MCU, that, that Thor Dark World? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, the crux. The that only is other thing the... is at some point, Robbie has to bring up Captain Marvel. So those are the two things that have to be worked into every episode. <laughs> so just... so you're saying when we, eventually do our, when we eventually do our MCU rewatch, we can, we can pencil these guys in to fulfill <laughs> yeah. us in on some Dark World. <laughs> guys are on the hey, Thor Dark defend, World rewatch. <laughs> we will defend Thor 2 the depths. We'll, we'll be there fighting for it. Hell yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Thor 2 makes another appearance here based on what I know about my co-hosts over there. <laughs> oh, they throw those spikes and that's the only thing that stops the world galactic ending event. That's what I can't do anymore. I just can't at that point, Robbie. When he you throws knew. those things in there, I'm out. No, dude, save the world. Um, Kyle, I got one non-Marvel related question for you and it's about sports. You ready? November 4th, 2007. The Vikings are playing the San Diego Superchargers and a young rookie running back from Oklahoma just ran for 296 yards and three touchdowns for your Minnesota Vikings. Where were you and how did it feel to know that Adrian Peterson was on your team for the foreseeable future? <laughs> so I actually love this question and you're, uh, this is going to be a total twist for you. You have no idea what the answer is about to be. You're oh my God. Yeah. Um, I have no way to answer this question. I'll just say this. I am a diehard Minnesota Vikings fan because Kirk Cousins is my best friend, my lifelong best friend. Oh. So I, <laughs> I am a new Minnesota Vikings fan ah. because <laughs> I have followed his career. So I was a Redskins fan before that. So I love the setup, and I did love Adrian Peterson, but I was not a lifelong Vikings fan. There you go. So that throws you for a loop. Sorry, but that's why I am now as diehard as it gets. I've been a lifelong sports fan and NFL fan, but following his career has kind of taken it all up like 10 notches. Sure. So, um, yeah, that's my answer. That's bad research on my now part. I'm, now, <laughs> now I'm more Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook world. That's where I'm at here. Yeah. If you'll let me ask a follow-up question, do you have a favorite okay. Kirk Cousins post-game soundbite for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the I was at the You Like That game, if that's a fun fact. There you Whoa, go. How about there that? you go. <laughs> So I was riding in the car with him back to his house. And we're on me and his brother are on on the internet, and we're like, "Dude, did you say something in the hallway?" Because like ten minutes ago, this is starting to make rounds on Twitter, and like that's actually the time it was Vine. You remember Vine? Yeah. yeah. Oh by yeah. The time by the time we got back to his house, it had one million Vine. Yeah, like, it did. <laughs> and we're like, 
dude, you, he's man. like, yeah, I just said something quick. I was, I was excited. I was fired up, but it's no big deal. I was like, dude, it's becoming a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and then by the end of that season, it was like their rallying cry, like in the yeah, playoffs year, they had, they had t-shirts and towels that we were waving and yeah. crazy. Now it's if I die, I die. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Wild move by Kirk there, by the way. Right, right, right. So that's the other one now. Life is temporary. Football's forever. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Robbie, let's dive in to our direct draft segment uh, real quick. We're about to talk a lot about scores in the MCU. So I was hoping that you guys could set us up. What do you guys look for in a score or a theme or an audio moment within the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And just really quickly, because you know we've waxed poetic about Thor Dark World too much, <laughs> what are some of your favorite scores and themes from outside the MCU before we get into this draft? Oh, man. Um, well, I would say the primary thing I look for is a certain level of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that's what I you know, like, I, I feel like it needs to have some kind of core to it. There are a lot of empty themes that it's hard to really pinpoint exactly why. Um, but, you know, like, an extreme example is if you turn on, like, a Hallmark movie, yeah. right, which my wife always watches around Christmas. It's like, there are a lot of themes that, that just, they're, these are the ones that are supposed to be sappy and, and have, like, nothing to them. Um, and obviously, there's a lot more gray between that and, like, Alan Silvestri. Mm-hmm. But I think that what I look for is that um, and and just something kind of unique. Uh, it's one of the reasons that like I, I really like a lot of the stuff that Hans Zimmer has done with Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. because I think and Kyle and I've talked about this on the podcast. I think Nolan tends to kind of push Hans Zimmer, who's already just an incredible composer, uh, into some really interesting directions. You know, so you think about Inception, you think about the Dark Knight, um, Interstellar, where it's just really interesting kind of unique stuff that still has that kind of emotional core that I'm talking about. Cause I think that that's another sort of spectrum, right? right? Like I think it's easy to get really interesting and kind of lose the heart of it. Um, so I think Hans Zimmer is one of those guys in terms of outside the MCU. And then for me, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. so I've got to right. give a shout out to Howard Shore's score there. Cause that's just all time for me. Right. Awesome. Kyle, do you have any favorite scores outside the MCU? Um, I was going to answer his question the same way. The emotional core has to hit. And then I love how Hans Zimmer, for example, like one of my favorite scores is Interstellar. Mm -hmm. But it's basically like they told him, hey, make a score that you would kind of like for the Dark Knight. But instead, he chooses to feature one instrument. In that case, it was the organ. And then with the organ being so prevalent, it kind of makes it feel spacey. Right. Or like in the Inception score, he features an electric guitarist then it feels kind of spy-y. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love how he does that. So those are some of my other favorite scores. But like, so that's what you mean. That's what Robbie means too. Like the emotional core, but then finding ways to make it unique. Like in the MCU, how Ludwig Gordonson, or here, how about the Mandalorian? Right. Taking some of oh, those great, flutes great. or like tribal so drums good. and making it feel a little more like Western almost with the score. So good. That That is one of my favorite scores of all time is Mandalorian season two. Mm-hmm. And just the way they weave it in and out and build and drop and for me like scores are attached to moments for me like like i visually see these scores and themes like when i see like that mandalorian uh theme that i can just picture din dejarn walking out of his ship about ready to go kick some ass and (laughs) and it's just i I love i love how i can match a moment to a score and never forget it so liam should we just jump right in 
Let's rock and roll. Cool. Kyle, because I totally fleeced you with that Vikings question that I thought you were going to be so excited to answer, but you <laughs> um, I'm going to give you the first pick. Robbie, you're going to follow that up with number two, Liam, and oh, then wow. I'll take the turn at four. Okay. I'm going to take the obvious. With yeah. pick number one in the 2021 uh, scores draft, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, direct <laughs> scores draft. Portals. And the scene. Um, I could go the Avengers Endgame score just like across the board because mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it. But mm-hmm. if I had to pick one moment, I just, you know, the directors talk about this. I don't even know that that moment works as well without that music. Like right. Alan Silvestri makes that scene come to life. There's so much like relief and like reflection in the beginning of it, mm-hmm. like with the solo trumpet and almost sounds like a taps kind of vibe. Like mm-hmm. it's over and then just the chord changes. Plus it's bringing in some themes from earlier, right? Bring in those themes, obviously being finally the massive Avengers theme boom, as boom, they charge. Boom, right? boom, it's boom, pretty boom. hard to beat that moment. Right. Yeah. So for me, that's my number one pick. Comparing that to taps right now just gave me chills. Like, like you're right. Like, you know? Well, yeah, no. And, and it's just like, just a solo trumpet. And it's just like the wartime feel right there, but then the triumphantness of it really just kicks in. To reflect, I think Captain America's like desperation and relief at that moment, mm-hmm. right? Because by the way, that's one of our other favorite things ever is that you know everyone loves that scene, but the deep cut is that Captain America is gonna get up there and fight either way, mm-hmm. right? Like it's him against literally the galaxy, and he's gonna do it by himself. So the relief that he doesn't have to do it by himself—that's the moment for me. And then when Gosh, you sound like a Captain with, America fan over there, Kyle. Couple <laughs> it with, the, with the sweeping camera shot showing the entire just roster of yeah. 23 yep. films worth of characters. It's phenomenal. The the bump 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 bana dun dun and it's just building. It's it's and one of my finally, favorite. Extra long pause for the assemble, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the subtle too. Like we were all expecting him to shout, but he doesn't have the energy. He's got to go fight a yeah. war. <laughs> right. It was the clear and obvious one hundred and one was portals. I can imagine it was on the top of our, all of our list. Um, so that's now crossed off. Robbie, the number two pick in the MCU scores direct draft. Wow. Well, I might be taking the clear number two here because um, I'm going to go with Porch by Alan Silvestri, which is part of the Infinity War score. Um, again, and the it, it's a scene that I think is powerful, but paired with this theme, which is which is kind of weirdly sweet, right? Yeah. For a villain theme, I think that's what's so crazy about it, and that's what's so crazy about Infinity War in general. Is you know we talk a lot about how uh, Marcus and McFeely in, in writing that almost kind of viewed Thanos as the hero of that film, and you can sort of see the hero's arc that he has across that movie in the same way that normally our heroes have across their like individual films. Um, And so the fact that the movie kind of ends in this moment where he's just sitting there victorious, kind of reflecting on this paradise with this, you know, like weirdly positive, but also very somber Mm -hmm. uh, melody playing in the background. I think that's, it's easily one of the, top scenes and one of the top moments in the mcu for me it's like sad but still fulfilling yeah right i don't know it's got the it's got the emotion of everyone just got snapped away in it but then it's got the emotion of thanos did what he wanted to do 
Right, like, right. and he's happy about that, or at least relieved by it. I have written down on my notes for porch um, uh, an empty victory is what it felt like. You know huh. what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's not it's not a new take to look at Infinity War as a Thanos movie, but when you really when you do that and then watch at the end, he he won, he did it. But you know, through the Vormir scene and you know his next speech in Endgame, where he talks about it was never personal, he's not necessarily happy that he had to do what he just did and that theme for some mm. reason really conveys that emotion um the fact that a cartoon character is the main movie of that <laughs> m- main character of that movie is right. just mind-blowing to me but the score always just backs him up mm-hmm. all right liam your first pick for the direct mcu scores draft so i feel like if it's round one we got to get our, our big ones out of the way so they don't get stolen later on and uh, I, I agree with Kyle and Robbie. Uh, I, I like to attach moments to these scores because a, a score only has weight if you have an emotional connection to what's going on visually. And this score also comes from Avengers Endgame. It's called Worth It, and it's the moment when Cap gets mm. Thor's hammer. Yeah. Um, and the reason why it has so much weight to it is because it's actually a callback. A lot of people don't recognize this until maybe you do a rewatch. It's a callback to Captain America, the first Avenger, when he's about to take that leap of faith at the Hydra facility, he's about to jump across and, you know, he lines up and Bucky's like, are you sure about this? And he's like, I guess we'll see. And he jumps across and hear the, and it's like, it's, it cuts out, but you still hear it underneath. And that same mm-hmm. exact moment happens as soon as he pulls back that hammer and the whole theater erupted. And you kind of forget that there's a score playing underneath it. But I love those moments when, when they build it up subtly, uh, as they do with, with your forges, your portals and everything. And it's kind of soft and underlying. And just like how uh, when he's about to make the jump in the first Avenger, um, when, the, when the hammer first rises, you hear that like boom. And it's like, it's, it's like <laughs> ringing. And then it comes back to him. And then it, it's quiet enough that you can appreciate that moment with that bit of theater silence and not have the music be too loud that you can cheer like a madman but it's also still there <laughs> for when you rewatch it eventually to be like where do i know that from oh my god he just called back to his first epic captain america moment way back in 2011 so worth it from avengers endgame it's got to be my round one pick because the moment attached to it is a feeling i'll just i'll never forget as a as a theater goer wow can i pick. add something to that yeah um i want to add that about on our episode that uh a lot it's kind of a travesty that a lot of these characters don't have more like specific themes that you can associate with them and i bring that up because alan silvestri and captain america was like one of the only people that had the shot at doing the the captain america one score and mm-hmm. then doing those avengers scores so he has the ability to bring in that theme over and over again whereas like iron man never really got one they tried yeah. different mm-hmm. people scoring it um, we talked about that with Thor, how it's changed multiple times. So I love the Captain America answer there, kind of. Yeah, so um, my first pick actually goes right off everything both of you just said because in that moment in the first Avenger, he jumps, he makes that leap, we cut to white, we go back to Tommy Lee Jones for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. the Howling Commandos, the Steve Rogers, come marching down those woods, and we hear oh. the most epic Captain America march. It's it's wow wow it's just so triumphant and cool and like you were just saying kyle not enough heroes have specific and amazing themes i think caps Mm -hmm. is not only one of the first that we really get because thor's didn't really stick i don't think i don't think the one from thor one really stuck Uh, 
so Mark Mothersbaugh brought it back a bit in Ragnarok um, and interwove it there um, in, I think it's Where To is one of the final tracks on that movie, but that's about the only time we get Patrick Doyle's theme back. Right. So, but Captain America's theme, it hits every single Captain America movie, every Avengers movie. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like every Avengers movie, we get a little bit of a nod. So that, but it's, it's just so epic in that moment. But my favorite time they bring it back is in Avengers Endgame when Tony comes rolling up to the facility mm. and he hands him the shield and we just hear it ever so slightly in the back. And I just get chills every single time because Cap hasn't seen that shield in eight years or whatever it is in the mm-hmm. timeline. Like, like that's a big deal. And looking forward a little bit to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Liam, what's the first line from that trailer? You know, the, the shield legacy is, of that shield is complicated. Very yeah. complicated. <laughs> and I feel like the legacy of this theme is about to get very Yeah. I, I love that. I love that you brought up that moment in Endgame because that's one of my favorite moments too. Mm-hmm. And I've actually realized the more I've listened to the score and rewatched the movie, um, that Silvestri does that a couple times with different characters. And I I feel like that's the most meaningful for sure because of his own history with the Captain America character. Mm-hmm. But, like, I love that whenever we first see Scott, there's a little bit of the Ant-Man theme. When we yeah. see Captain Marvel, there's a little bit of the Captain Marvel theme. I, I think it's, that's more an endgame than any other film. Um, and I really love those little mini, because they're so subtle. They fit into whatever theme he has playing at the moment, um, or whatever song he has playing at the moment. But I, it's just such a nice little nod that we get here and there. Just another example of fan service done right. I'm looking at you, right. The Rise of Skywalker. Um, so <laughs> I think it's actually one of the only things that Star Wars does better than Marvel, which is crazy that I'm sure. saying this because I, if you listen to our podcast, you know that I'm a Marvel guy over it. But Star Wars, like, you know Luke's theme. When he walks oh, yeah. in, you hear it. You know it. You know mm-hmm. Leia's theme. You know Ray's theme. You know Vader's theme. Like, you hear them, and they're worked in like that. I wish Marvel had more of that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, and that's why I had to take it one-on-one because I feel like it's one of the only examples of that, you know, real authenticity right. with a character. Um, and I'm going to go right back to another character driven theme or score, not so much character, but Wakanda by black oh, in black Panther. Dude, that was one of my deep cuts. Dang yeah. It. By Ludwig Gordon. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's, it's kind of a two part kind of, you know, audio track there. Right. Cause you started off and it's just, like I could get teary eyed just thinking about it. Just the the high pitched African vibes from it, and then mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking of the specific scene from Black Panther where they're rolling through the fields and they see all the tribes people there supporting them. They know what's going on. They know what's going on, and it's just so uh-huh, and it's just so beautiful. And then mm-hmm. they and then Chadwick Boseman, rest in power, has the line that gives me chills. That this never gets old. And then they uh, burst through the trees and you just hear it. It just hits. And it's just Wakanda. And it's our first real look. It's just so <laughs> magical and futuristic. But we were just in the woods in Africa. And how did this happen? And it, I, I can go on and on. But, you know, that line, this never gets old. Right as the music hits. <laughs> it's one of my favorite compilations of script and score in a movie. Luba Gorenson can do no wrong going right back Legend. to the Mandalorian man yeah so that's my number two pick Wakanda <laughs> from Black Panther so heading you know that was the first pick of the second round Liam kick us off your number two pick 
So I feel like round one, we, we got the big ones out of the way, you know, the big moments. And I feel like I got, I got to go to my specific ones now out of fear that they might get taken if I, if I don't <laughs> act quick. Um, so I'm going to go with a score from my favorite Marvel movie. Matt, I say it every single episode. I find a way to just stress how good Captain America, the Winter Soldier is. <laughs> and it's the Winter Soldier's theme. Oh my Ooh, God. My yeah. wife would be happy with this pick right now. <laughs> yeah, the, the underlying subtlety of just like the, I, I can't even mimic it with my voice because yeah. it's so techno. It's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. you know, the moment when it first kicks in, when you don't see his face, but he he's attacking Nick Fury's SUV and you know, mm-hmm. someone get me out of here. And he's like, he's using the the little lightsaber thing to to carve a hole in, in the, uh, in the granite, but it's Quick so gadget. quiet. For such for such a, a explosive moment, literally and figuratively, all the ambient noise goes out, and you just hear the Winter Soldier's theme just creeping in, just so subtly. Scary. And it's it's creepy. Mm. It's legit, like Scary. unsettling. If I went yeah. into that movie not knowing the comic history that Bucky was indeed the Winter Soldier, and I, I would fear him a little less. Man, oh man, the just the underlying nature. I can only imagine how people watch that movie having no context of who these comic comic characters are because he's an assassin completely masked operating in broad daylight and mm. this like creepy techno theme is is underneath everything uh it loses some of its weight once you get to see his face and, and get a little more of the mystery answered later on and that's why i think they don't call back to it as much as they do for other characters themes mm. but every time i watch the winter soldier Anytime he's on screen, specifically that moment when he attacks Nick Fury's SUV or when he meets Cap on the roof and he catches the shield, that that Winter Soldier theme, Matt, do me justice with these edits and put it underneath. <laughs> I it's got so freaking fantastic. I love it. Hey, quick question. 15 seconds pick. maximum. 15 seconds What's maximum. Yeah. The first time you see Winter Soldier and, and his face has got the mask on and he catches the shield, did you know who that was? No. Like on that reveal, are you supposed to know that's Bucky or not yet? I think I don't com- think we're supposed to know. So there was a there's a comic run, Robbie, you know, you'll know titles and authors better than I do, but there's mm-hmm. a comic run that came out a few years beforehand that had almost that exact same moment. You know, like mm-hmm. who the hell's Bucky is a line from the comics and right and so i think you know diehard comic fans knew me not being a comic reader at that time i I don't think you're supposed to know that's bucky in that moment okay okay that's what Mm -hmm. i wanted to know you said you're settling a debate for us there you go can i can i say (laughs) one more thing uh, about this winter soldier theme i forgot a moment that i love it in but that second post credit scene from Cap Winter Soldier, when Bucky is like discovering who he was by visiting the uh-huh. museum, and you hear the theme, and it's not so much quiet anymore, but it's at the building point, the dun, 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 and the camera's swooping around, and it reveals mm-hmm. his face looking at his own exhibit. One of my favorite post credit scenes in the MCU. Couple that with the other Winter Soldier post credit scene. One of the best duo mid credit post credit scenes in the entirety of the MCU. Absolutely. And wow. some a fun fact about the Winter Soldier theme that real quick, Robbie, um, I just saw in preparation for this, I saw in a YouTube video yesterday, apparently the screech mm-hmm. within that theme, that, you know, that, that mm-hmm. weird little screech is Bucky's scream from the first Avenger totally duped and just totally remastered. But they, oh, took I that, didn't know that they took nope. that scream and put that techno vibe on it. And that's where we get the screech. Cool. Whoa. Wow. That's very yeah, cool. Came from. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Very cool. Huh. All right, Robbie, round two. Who you got? 
Man. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with Liam here. I'm going to have to start picking the ones that are really dear to me. So they get <laughs> snatched up. Um, gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to go with dad by Tyler Bates featuring guardians oh, of the galaxy volume two. Wow. Wow. I look, this is, <laughs> it, this is kind of a unique one for me because right. Like in game is my favorite Marvel movie. Captain America is one of my favorite, probably my favorite uh, Marvel character in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is not even like in my top 10 in terms of movies, but this particular scene there at the end, yeah. Yondu's death, is probably in my top 10 scenes in the oh. MCU. And I think the way that this song is used, where it's, it's used first whenever Peter is throwing the ball around with his actual dad, with Ego, there earlier, and then it makes its return back in that scene with Yondu after that uh, line about him not, you know, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Um, I just think that that's one of the most beautifully executed moments. And I think that what Tyler Bates here does, I mean, Kyle and I've talked about this. I think this is just one of my favorite tracks. It's just dripping with emotion and it, it supports that. I think it, it adds so much to this movie um, and really supports that whole kind of fatherhood through line that James Gunn has stressed is kind of at the core of that film. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I know this isn't about songs in the MCU, which is a totally different draft for a totally different time, but to match that moment. And then a few, you know, scenes later come in with Cat Stevens, father and son. Oh gosh. You want to talk about emotion, man? Like just, no, uh, just insane all time. Nobody in the MCU makes you cry like the guardians. And that's a weird thing to say, but it's true. Like those two movies are tear jerkers. Um, Kyle? I love how long they let us linger in that moment, that Cat yes. Stevens moment. I mean, that funeral is embraced. I mean, oh. it's a long, it's like 15 minutes mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, similar vein, I think Robbie knows where I'm going to go with this. I think the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 score is, as a whole is better than the Guardians of the Galaxy 1 score. But with my second pick in this draft, I'm going to take a song called Black Tears from Guardians mm. of the Galaxy 1. You suck. Just because <laughs> if you don't know it, it's basically the Guardian theme. And here's why it's important to me. I, I've I've given a ton of background on that movie. Um, I I love that movie. I thought I wasn't gonna like that movie. That's my summary. And it became one of my favorite movies of all time. And by that ending scene, when it culminates in the you you said it yourself, bitch, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy, and yeah. and that theme is just blaring. And it's so loud. I don't know. I love it so much. And if you listen to a song right before it called To the Stars, mm-hmm. it's the same mm-hmm. theme just on a quiet piano that they use a lot when Peter's referencing his mother. Right. So there's like a good emotional core to it. And then something about that moment, that moment is one of the hardest thing moments for me. I'm probably higher on that movie than most people. That moment hits harder than almost any other moment for me in general. Mm-hmm. And that song is a huge part of it. So I get that theme still in Guardians 2, and so I think the score overall with Coupled with Dad is better. But that one moment, if I had to mm-hmm. say a song, is as good as it gets for me. So that's my number two pick. Kyle, uh, wow. we, uh, well, we just, Robbie and Liam both talked about taking their personal favorites so they don't get stolen later. You yeah. just screwed me over, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then for my third pick, I think I'm going to go – I have another one I want to get to so bad, but if I'm going to get a fourth pick – are we going to get a fourth pick? I think we're just I have doing a three. We can do honorable mentions, though. You'll be able to talk about it. Yeah, toss an honorable mention at the end, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go a really weird route here. You ready for this? Robbie knows this. I'm going to go the Marvel Studios Fanfare by Brian. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Here's why. Obviously symbolic, but if you go back and look at this, 
I think there's only three movies, right, that uses the. I think it's only three movies, but it was so memorable to me that I associate it with every Marvel film before it starts. Yeah. When I mm-hmm. hear the strings just start the, I feel like I'm in, I've chills now. I'm instantly there already. And yeah. it's only been in three songs. I'm disappointed they didn't bring it in later. Some of the other ones are still cool, but that's the one. And specifically, mm-hmm. it right away brings me to the coolest intro to a thing ever, which is Peter's mother dying, him running out and panicking. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is just a really sad, heartbreaking moment. And then an alien spaceship rolls up sucks him up into the sky and he's like what ah and that's and that's for me forever cemented in my brain so that's my <laughs> third pick even though it's not specifically a movie school well i mean uh guard little spoiler here guardians one is my number one mcu movie you said you were a little higher than oh. most my oh, numero no. uno <laughs> not as high as you <laughs> and you just took and you just took my next two picks so i'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that no you're good that's the game <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, that's just such an iconic, you know, thing. As soon as you hear the piano, you see the pages start scrolling. It's just, you know, you're about ready to watch something you're going to love. Like, you know, no matter what it is. The other ones are good and it's fun how they mix it up. I'm all, I'm, you know, I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of different title cards that are fun, but that's the one Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. All right, Robbie. Gosh, I'm now that. Now that I'm down to the final one, I'm, I'm really struggling here. Um, there's a lot I could pull from. You know, I, I think that as long as we're kind of taking the moment into account, um, I'm going to have to go with Twilight of the Gods, mm-hmm. um, which is a track from Thor Ragnarok, which is um, my favorite non-Avengers uh, MCU film. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's... It's actually, so it's fun. It's the, the tune that plays there doing that really emotional scene with Odin and Loki before Hela comes back. Mm. Um, it is pulled back in in a track called Snap Out of It on Avengers Endgame, um, which is that scene there with Thor um, when he's you know visiting Asgard back in 2013 with Rocket and, and having Rita. that conversation with his mom. That's also really, so it's, it's kind of great because the pairing of the, it plays when he has the talk with his dad, then then with his mom there. Um, it's just a really emotional track, and kind of like Kyle was saying, I think that callbacks like that are so rare that I love that not only did Silvestri bring a Thor theme back, but it wasn't even the main Thor theme from Ragnarok. Yeah. I like that it was like a specific theme from the specific scene that fits so well, and it's just a it's a really powerful moment and. And that's one of the the scores that I have on vinyl. So I've listened to it a good bit. And I love it in contrast to the rest of that score, which is so kind of synth-based and kind of fun and playing into that 80s vibe, uh, that it's just this kind of lull, this this exhale. Um, again, right before everything gets really crazy and he winds up on Sakaar and all that. So I think it's really hard here for me. But if, if we're taking moments into account, that's got to be my final pick. Yeah, it's a really cool, like a loud quietness within that entire movie is that sentimental uh, feeling mm-hmm. in that scene. And, you know, that movie is just so unique as far as the score goes to pick out something, you know, really emotional like that. I love that pick. It's a great pick. Thank you. All right, Liam. The yeah, man himself. Uh, just 
Yeah, just to add to that real quick, I mean, for movies like Ragnarok and any of the Guardians flicks, that their music is so associated with the soundtrack, you know, the, the songs with lyrics. When you have scores that stand out in a movie that's so reliant on you know, your immigrant songs, everything from Guardians 1, everything from Guardians 2, and the awesome mixes, um, it shows how much weight they have. So I really appreciate that analysis. This last pick, I'm torn between two. But I got to go with uh, kind of my specific pick here because I just love this song so much. And uh, as I tell Matt, I listen to my scores and soundtracks playlist whenever I'm reading because it makes the, the pages and the words feel a little more epic when there's a score oh, behind yeah. it. Right Killmonger's theme from, oh, from Black Panther wow. by Ludwig Göransson himself. <laughs> Come on. Gosh. I mean, Ludwig Göransson must be the greatest uh composer when it comes to like flutes he's so Mm. good by by ingraining that that tribal feel as he does with the mandalorian and black panther what i what i love Mm -hmm. about this theme is he infuses it with modern hip-hop you hear the the drums in the back and then when that is building up you associate it with the moment of killmonger claiming his his place on the throne Exactly. Killmonger claiming this play, his place on the throne and saying, you know, what's good, auntie? And like, you know, show, <laughs> yep. shows the tattoo and everything. So yeah. Um, and the flutes are building up and you hear like the heartbeat too, the boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. And it just keeps going. Right. Killmonger's theme is, is super, I feel, I, I don't want to say underrated, but I think underappreciated because as you said, oh, yeah. Wakanda, Wakanda's score in Black Panther alone carries that film's score throughout the entire thing. Killmonger has such a specific score um, and it's super memorable to me. It's one of my most listened to scores on my scores and soundtracks playlist. And yeah, I really hope, uh, I, I don't know if he will return in any type of flashback capacity, but I hope we get at least hints of the theme mm. when it comes to future Black Panther installments. Cause it, it's, it's what Ludwig Göransson does best. He infuses that tribal feel with modern hip hop. And it's just mm. a perfect amalgamation for me. Uh, Killmonger's theme, my final pick, uh, special place wow. in my heart. Love that score. Just a, a quick a note. Track. One, that was one that that's one I was debating for my final pick because there have been times where I think that might be, if I step back, just my favorite track kind of on its own in yeah, the MCU. Yeah. It's a little bit more complicated whenever I get into kind of the moments, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm sucked in. And, and that's why I wind up going for kind of some more of the emotional ones. But gosh, like the way that that theme is constructed, but also you're talking that throne room scene. What I love is that T'Challa and Eric back and forth. You know, it's like they play the T'Challa theme and the Killmonger theme there, and they kind of weave in as they're arguing in the throne room. And it's just incredible if you go back and listen to it kind of as a whole. Yeah, I mean, Ludwig is just insane. Great pick. Like I was saying with Zimmer, he's another guy that does that amazingly well. Like take a normal orchestral track, but add the hip hop beats. Now you have a different feel. Or like add the flutes with Mandalorian. Or, you know, he can do things that way. He's really good with that. It's fantastic. Um, So I'm going to close this out. Uh, My last pick, um, out of the MCU, Wonder Woman, Batman versus Superman. Good night, folks. No. (laughs) (laughs) And in and in and in and in. Um, so my wow. last, my yeah, I love that thing. <laughs> <laughs> my last pick, um, I'm gonna go with my heart. I'm gonna go with uh, a little bit of pandering, maybe to the fans, but um, Spider-Man theme from Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yeah. Um, there's oh. just, there's just something about a Spider-Man theme, guys. I just can't, I just can't get past it. Um, you know, I almost quit my job and started professionally arguing about Spider-Man Two on Twitter. 
Um, I've <laughs> seen this. I've seen this as I've been. <laughs> if I see the word masterpiece next to that movie one more time, I'm going to lose it. But um, <laughs> one thing I can't argue for that and the Tasm runs is the themes in those movies are always so epic. Mm-hmm. And it's no different here with um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Michael um, Giaccio? exactly like i just said um yeah <laughs> uh, it's just i only I, know because on his twitter he has like the pronunciation laid out <laughs> you know <laughs> um no but uh, i just think that you know there's something about having a peter parker theme it's just so mm. iconic and i know it's different every time we see it but and when i see that suit and I, whatever song i hear i relate to it but it also they they have it uh very different throughout the whole movie they have little tiptoe versions of it when he's sneaking uh-huh. around yeah exactly yeah. yeah and they have the big opening title card after they bring the 60s theme back mm-hmm. but my favorite one is when they drop it down a little bit they take out some of the extra and it's super emotional for come on spider-man it, uh-huh. it's my favorite scene non-avengers scene in the mcu is come on spider-man i think it's inc- the best acted scene the best huh. emotion and and just the epicness of and then he just gets hmm. there and it's everything i want in a spider-man moment and a peter parker moment and uh that theme is attached to it oh, i mean so, it's the classic time. spider-man moment yeah i mean it's it, it's it's so crazy whenever i saw that i was like how have we not adapted this scene yet it's crazy until this movie and then i'm so i'm kind of glad because it's done so perfectly yeah, come on, Spider-Man. I have to add. I have to add like one thing, and you're gonna hate me because I'm taking up time. No, my please. honorable mention that has to be thrown out there is I was gonna say I'm probably higher on Civil War than most people. The actual Civil War theme when they finally clash, capturing the sadness of mm. the mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. me so emotional. So that was the one I was debating about. The other thing I want to add is. Robbie and I are very excited about this wave, though, of young composers that, that Marvel's uh, kind of putting out front. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about those themes, how you know some of those original characters didn't get that. I think we have a shot at getting that going forward. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't mention Ant-Man and the Wasp, Christoph Beck. It's an incredible story. I'm so yeah. excited for him to run. I mean, we talked about Ludwig, right? Like, how amazing Ludwig's scores are yeah. and what he could do going forward. Michael Giacchino, like, he could do a ton of stuff. There's a uh-huh. lot of like young guys coming up that gets me really excited for the future. So well, I do think it is possible. Absolutely. Well, and I'm excited. Yeah. One, one of the tracks on mine um, is it ain't over till the wasp lady sings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> such a, I mean, it's, I, I, it's funny because I like the Ant-Man score. All right. But the Ant-Man, the wasp score is just fantastic uh, to me. And I'm really excited because Christoph Beck is coming back for WandaVision. Uh, and that is just super intriguing because I think everything he's done has been interesting. Um, my honorable mention was, um, it's speaking of Michael Giacchino, Go for Baroque from Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, Strange. and Doctor Strange. Yeah, Doctor we Strange. didn't even talk about Doctor yeah. Strange throughout it's this just, entire day. Gosh, just that whole score is fantastic. But, but that uh, track in particular, which we should say, um, if anyone wants to like fully nerd out on this, we have a Friends from Work playlist on Spotify called oh, yeah, journey true. through the mcu yep uh, which is just kind of a, it, it follows our watch order through the infinity saga uh but it kind of has some of our fa- favorite tracks from each score so feel free to go check that out and let us know what you think absolutely it's uh, it. one of my favorites i got saved liam do you have any honorable mentions 
I have two, uh, two very specific ones. Uh, I, I'm an Iron Man three apologist. I love that movie and oh, wow. it's legitimately in, I believe it's like my top, top seven. I want to say, I really, Oh, haven't. okay. Iron Man, um, Iron Man three in the top seven, Thor Ragnarok in the bottom five. That's Liam Crowley, yeah, everybody defend, <laughs> defended to my grave. Anyways, wow. uh, a score wow. from that movie that I love, uh, is attack on 10, 800 Malibu point. Um, when, you know, mm. all of the, the choppers come in, they blow up Tony Stark's mansion. And, you know, I do wish they brought back the, the conventional Iron Man themes that like fused with ACDC, but I do really appreciate Iron Man 3's like new direction. Their composer, I have it right here. Uh, Brian, Brian Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. Fantastic, though. And they bring it back again for the, the mm-hmm. final climactic uh battle in iron man 3 i do really appreciate that score and the score this is very an honorable mention because it's not officially in the mcu yet but the fact that jamie fox is returning for spider-man 3 <laughs> i really hope we get that electro you know you know what i'm talking about <laughs> the amazing Spider-Man 2? yeah i don't know what it is about it i believe it's han zimmer and junk and junkie xl from that movie yeah it is but that that mm. theme you talk about the creepiness that I love from like Winter mm-hmm. Soldier's theme, the paranoia like undertone, and then it builds, why you cry? It's like, it's got <laughs> this kind of like orchestral feel to it, but also very techno. I love it. And I really hope they bring back Electro's theme for uh, Spider-Man 3. If he, you know, officially ends up in that movie. Which, wow. Shout out. To talk about there too. Yeah. Shout out the direct podcast <laughs> episode one. Um, my <laughs> only, my only honorable mention, and this is more for Kyle and Robbie is um, not from Thor dark world, but it's from Thor Ragnarok during the parody play scene when the choir. Oh yes. The theme from Thor dark world. <laughs> yep. I, I, I legit, I legit have into eternity. Into eternity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when Thor's mother dies, very moving song. You're never going to argue Brian Tyler with me. I'm a Brian Tyler guy. Robin knows that. So, yeah. I just, yeah. Thor Dark World, I'm in. I just love Unofficial how, composer of Phase 2. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just love how, like, I'm not the biggest Thor Dark World fan, but easily my favorite scene what is... What was that? Uh, what? what? <laughs> Excuse me? What was that? <laughs> this guy put Thor Ragnarok in the bottom five, and I'm getting shit. Gosh, Liam, um, we're going to have to have words later. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I'm excited. No, but my favorite <laughs> scene from Thor Dark World is the Frigga funeral scene. It's it's gorgeous. It's emotional. Mm-hmm. The sound, everything's great. The fact that they play it back in the silliest scene in MCU history with a Matt Damon cameo, uh-huh. I just I just think that's so genius and such a nod. Um, so our official list after the honorable mentions – Mr. Kyle Sconewell picked the 101 portals, then Black Tears from Guardians of the Galaxy, and then the Marvel fanfare, Marvel fanfare opening. Robbie Porches from Avengers: Infinity War, Dad from Guardians 2, and Twilight of the Gods from Thor Ragnarok brought back in Endgame. Liam, uh, yeah. I, forget, I forget the name of your first one. I'm sorry, I didn't write it down. Worth it. Worth it. Yeah. I put worthy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm, so yeah, yeah. worth it from Avengers: Endgame. Excellent. I didn't know the. Uh, Captain America tie in there, the Winter Soldier theme and the Killmonger theme. He likes bad guys. My list is the Captain America March, Wakanda, and then of course the Spider Man theme from Spider Man Homecoming. Um, we're gonna put this out on social medias. Uh, follow at MCU Direct um, and then at the FFW Podcast. Correct? Yeah. On yes. all yep. social media channels, um, we're gonna be putting out an RN on the Direct.com. Please go out, vote who has the best team of scores. We will let you know next week who won. Kyle, Robbie, friends from work, thank you so much. 
for coming on today. Um, it's an honor to have you guys here. Um, like I said, you guys really inspired me to want to talk about these movies and I appreciate you guys that for that so much. We hope to have you on again soon. Me and Liam are hoping to hop on your guys' podcast if it ever oh, yeah. slows down. I know you guys got a full slate ahead, um, but I can't thank you enough for coming on. And um, we Thanks for having us. Anytime yeah, absolutely. Want. Thank you so much. We've loved it. Fun and uh, you you got the right guys for scores because we're obsessed with scores. So I love it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that was the idea. But uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, guys, that is a wrap for episode fifteen of the Direct Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, and I'm speaking for Liam as I do it. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you guys so much. Direct 2021, full swing. Um, before we get into our weekly recommendations, we got to plug a couple things. Liam mentioned it earlier. Our WandaVision Primer episode is out right now. We are less than a week away from the maiden project of the MCU Phase 4. We cover everything you need to know. Cast, crew, story, characters, promotion. Everything that you need to know heading into the first two episodes of WandaVision releasing on January 15th covered in the WandaVision Primer. Check out your podcast feed. Give it a listen. You will not be disappointed. But also, Liam. Next week, we have our biggest interview we have ever done on the Direct Podcast. We will be chatting with the one, the only, the face of comic book movie news, Brandon Davis from comicbook.com. We chat everything about his upcoming Phase Zero podcast. We chat everything about the comic book movie news industry. We talk a little Mandalorian, and he joins us for our biggest ever Direct draft we are drafting our most anticipated mcu projects with bd himself brandon davis tune in next week check that out but liam i want to know what you got what else you got going on in your life brother what is your weekly recommendation for the people before i get into my weekly recommendation i did just want to give uh two quick shout outs because we talk about how much we love the Twitter interaction, and we got two very, very kind messages on Twitter this past week. You send them in, I'm going to shout you out because I love this community that we're building. Um, at Foxsock, F-O-C-S-O-K on Twitter, uh, said that he listens from Hungary and he really enjoys the episodes, calls us well-prepared and entertaining. Well, thank you, because we do put effort into making these rundowns ahead of time, oh, sometimes no. 10 minutes before we hit record, no, we but don't. you know. <laughs> Um, and he said, thank you and have a happy new year. So we really appreciate that. And then the other one comes from Raul Jimenez, who tweeted, quick shout out to Liam and Matt for the best podcast on nerd culture. Love hearing y'all talk and expressing your opinions. I find myself laughing and agreeing out loud like a crazy person a lot. That really means a lot, Raul. So I just want to give you a quick shout out uh, to know that people are listening, uh, possibly agreeing with our p- opinions, but also getting fired up about, you know, hot takes we might have or laughing out loud at some uh, banter. I love it. And it's the reason why I'm, I'm happy to hop on this mic every week, because obviously it's great to talk about the news, but it's also really cool to know that we're making a product that people are enjoying. So thank you so much, Raul and at Foxock. Raul, man, hit me up. Give me your best Spider-Man two take. I promise I will shoot it down with a silver bullet. <laughs> hit me with it. Liam. Yes. What is your weekly recommendation for the people? 
weekly recommendation. I feel like I haven't shouted it out yet. And it's the latest show that I've been watching outside of these fantastical realms. It's Westworld. Westworld on HBO Max. I know, Matt, you've seen season one and we've possibly teased the idea of maybe watching it together. Season two, season three, catch up a little, a little bit before. A little uh, uh, direct podcast retreat situation, you know, bonding yeah. experience for me and Liam. Yeah. Uh, season one has been phenomenal so far. I'm five episodes in. And yeah, if you like Ex Machina, that movie I, I mentioned earlier, this has a lot of Ex Machina vibes, but just scaled up to a thousand percent what it means to be human, what it means to be sentient, what it means to have consciousness. And it's set in an old Western theme park. It's phenomenal stuff. Anthony Hopkins Very is awesome. amazing. James Marsden's fantastic. I really wish he would get more work. And yeah, check out Westworld if you have an HBO Max subscription or if your sister left it logged in on your PlayStation, which is what I do every single day. Shout out Liam's sister. Um, another quick shout out for Westworld, Evan Rachel Wood. She is yes. phenomenal. She is phenomenal. Right here, right now, live on the Direct Podcast, me and Liam are going to figure out who we want Evan Rachel Wood to play in the MCU. Ooh, Completely uh, off the cuff. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking, thinking I'm villain. Thinking. I want to say villain, and I want to say enchantress. She would be a phenomenal. She would enchantress. be great. Her and Tom Hiddleston together. Her and Chris Hemsworth together. Evan Rachel Wood, please play enchantress. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna echo that enchantress. Um, yeah. Just yeah, based on based on her vibe in the show, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna like recommend it, but like I would, I could see her as Sue Storm, but that's Emily Blunt's role. Like that's that's her role. Uh, for the be really good at Sue Storm. I, I don't, cool I don't know Storm. how she does with the whole. Like I'm, I want to say she's bad at chemistry, just because everybody hates, seems to be against each other in that show. But yeah. um, you know, whoever ends up playing Sue Storm needs to nail the family dynamic. Like she is the crux to the Firks family in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So yeah, no, but real I do, I, I do like that call. I was gonna say real quick, if we're talking Westworld um, castings for the MCU. Um, I really like James Marsden as Adam Warlock. <laughs> I think he would be pretty cool. No? Are you anti-Marsden? I I can't get past Cyclops, man. I just really don't like that performance. It's been a long... It's, I it's don't, been 15 I know, years. I know, I get it, I get it. James Marsden in Westworld is my favorite James Marsden performance. Easily, that means yeah. anything. Very yeah. good. Um, but it's not so much that I don't like Jimmy Marsden. I just hate what they do with that character. And it's got it's got a bad taste in my mouth. But we just talked about the Fox actors having a great move over to the MCU. So what the hell do I know? I just get on a microphone and talk shit. So my weekly recommendation is a retro recommendation. I feel like that's kind of a theme for my Rex. You know, because I, I got the throwback vibes. I have a problem not watching anything new. I've never seen a John Wick movie, but I watched Age of Ultron today. <laughs> so. I'm not really sure how I get over the hump of watching new content, but uh, my retro weekly recommendation is, in my opinion, the best coming-of-age television show ever made, Boy Meets World. It's on Disney+. Plus. This is a show I grew up with, a show that I've loved since I was a small child. I had the DVD box set when I was in high school. This isn't my first time binging through Boy Meets World over and over and over again. But, you know, if you are just looking to chill and relax and sit on your phone while you have pay attention to a show and just laugh and feel good and have fun, Disney Plus, Boy Meets World, one of the greatest. I would love, love to invite any cast member from Boy Meets World onto the direct podcast. I mean, it's it's just 
it's one of my all-time favorite shows. So if we could get anybody from Boy Meets World on the direct podcast, I would be very excited. Um, but yeah, that's our weekly recommendations. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Check out our WandaVision Primer live right now, anywhere podcasts are found. And make sure to tune in next week for not only our interview with comicbook.com's very own Brandon Davis, but Liam, next week we will be reviewing episodes one and two of WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. Thanks for listening. Hate it when they play both sides. Too low in my life, gotta stay high, gotta stay high. Too low in my life, yeah, I gotta stay. Hate it when they play both sides. Too low in my life, so I gotta stay high, yeah, I gotta stay high. Too low in my, too low in my counteracts up. I got my stacks up, bad little bitch, tell her back up. In the cut with the Mac tuck, run up on me, get hit. MLS need to pick them up uh, Six shots to the hell like whoa Run through the six, no walls No money, don't hands, no balls Up, down, left, right, A, B, G, cold Pull up my gun, sing like Lee Rick going to my coat, no superhero BVS my wrist like Sub-Zero Play a bitch like guitar, no hero Running money up, stack it like Legos Bad bitch wanna fuck, I say Lego uh, R.I.P. to my niggas